All right, well, if you got your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me to um, Hebrews chapter 13. We'll just start there for a moment. And we're going to, you know, the, these last, I, for me, I'm like, man, Lord, what's the series? What are we doing? I, I have so many different thoughts and things going through my mind. And I can never just pin down something. So endeavoring to follow the Spirit of God and going, Lord, what am I, what are we doing here as a church family? And I just keep coming back to this sense of because of the steps that we're taking, because of the enlargement that we're walking into, not just, again, individuals or one or two or just the leadership, but talking to us as a congregation, that we be ready for some things because some things are coming. And that includes people, that just includes a whole, encompasses a whole bunch of different things. Uh, with When we become stewarding now another building, a larger facility, we're going, Lord, prepare us, get us ready. And that's something we've been doing again as a leadership team, and I want to continue to do that here. And we've been taking time the last four weeks to really talk about offense and making sure that we are walking offense-free because of what it does, not only to you physically and personally, but what it can do to a family. The moment that offense sets in and there's division, there's strife, and James actually calls, you'll find every evil work. The Passion Bible actually says it like this, that you'll find, you'll, when you discover this meanness or this strife, you'll find meanness attached to it. And so what we, as the, as the body of Christ, is, hey, we ain't putting up with any of that at all. The moment you even sniff it, we shut that thing down so hard and we go, Lord, help us. We are choosing to walk in love. Why? Because of, we don't want the enemy getting any kind of access into our lives because he stinks and everything he's got stinks and we don't want none, no stink. Anybody good with no stink? No stink. Spirit, soul, or body. Correct? <laughs> okay. Everybody just smell your neighbor and we'll keep moving on. We'll keep, take a whiff. But what we've did over the last, I would say a good year, uh, 10, 10 months to a year, we have really taken time to solidify and build a strong foundation on the word of God concerning the word of his grace. Because again, as a Christian, you know, our lives, is <laughs> Christianity doesn't start with something that I do. Christianity starts with something that Christ has done for me. The gospel is not that God can help me. The gospel is not that God wants to help me. The gospel is that God has already helped me through Christ Jesus. That's the good news. So the good news isn't going, oh, I hope God does something for me one day. I hope that God does save my friends one day. The good news is he already has done it. And so this is the mind shift that has to take place, especially when it comes to living in the dispensation called grace. We've got to understand that the gospel again, or cooperating or working with God, isn't you and I going, God, can you please do something? When God would in heaven, from his perspective, he goes, I already did it. So it's a whole mind shift that needs to take place within the family of God, the church. To the world, we talk about you have to be born again because Jesus has already died for you. He's not going to go on the cross again and re-die. He's already done it, correct? So that's why leading people to Jesus is a very simple thing. All that it requires is your boldness in the finished work. Well, it's not just salvation that took place, but it is everything that encompasses salvation. Salvation, sozo, is actually includes your health, it includes your prosperity, includes your wisdom, it includes your protection, it includes everything concerning your life, spirit, soul, body. He's taking care of the whole thing. And so what you and I are doing is now in the process of renewing our minds to what grace has done to take care and finish the work of our spirit, sealing it in Christ Jesus. Your spirit is perfect. Your soul. I mean, listen, that's the culture that we live in. There's a lot of hurting souls. What is that? Your mind, your will, and your emotions could be out of whack. But God is the one who restores the soul. That's what he's interested in doing. That's why Jesus came to restore that soul. And he also took care of the physical body. So it is a whole package done deal that you and I are renewing our minds to. And that's why we see here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, it says, don't be carried away with divers and strange doctrines. And that's what we got so much of is people are talking about how you should eat, what you can eat, what you don't, all these types of things out there, thinking it's spiritual, but it's just outward religious junk. Now, it's not to say don't take care of your physical body. Of course we do that. But don't make this the, the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? The main thing, it is good that the heart be established, that word with is italicized, be established in grace. It is good for your heart to be established in that. Right? Say it. It's good. 
That's where my roots are supposed to go down. My roots, my life, the core of my being, everything that I rely on, no matter what comes my way, I can always go back and find my root is established in what grace has already provided for me. Now, as we said, the gospel is something that God has already done for you and I. In Romans chapter five, verse one and two, it says this, our faith in Jesus and another definition of faith that we talked about probably a year ago now is my dependency upon the Lord. My dependency upon God transferred God's righteousness to me and he The judge, the God of the universe now declares us flawless in his eyes. So say it boldly. I'm flawless. How does that feel? It's the truth. Oh, but you don't know what I did. We're not looking at what you did naturally. We're looking at what Jesus has done on your behalf. So this is where the shift needs to take place because it's not based on who you are and what you can do. It's based on the finished works of Jesus and my job is to believe what Jesus has done for me, then my behavior starts to change. So right here he says, I am now declared flawless in my father's eyes, start seeing yourself that way as well. And now because I am flawless, this means that I can now enjoy. Say with me, enjoy. Oh man, we can enjoy a true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. So he's already done it for us. So the question I want to ask you is, are you enjoying your relationship with God? Are you actually enjoying the Christian life? If the answer is, eh, let me remind, I think you got to go back to some of these truths and hearing from the Father himself, you're flawless. I see you flawless. That just gets rid of all shame. Those words coming from the Father's lips eradicate shame, smashes condemnation in the face, and just eradicates all kind of guilt that you may ever have. I'm flawless. He sees me that way. And that's why you can start enjoying this relationship. Verse 2, he says again, my faith or my dependency upon Jesus guarantees me permanent access into this marvelous kindness or that word kindness is the word in Greek charis which means grace so you and I have been given permanent access say with me permanent access oh that's a good word I've been given access. You know, as a kid growing up, a lot of times whenever uh, my dad or my brother and I, we would go out to sporting events. Uh, you know, sometimes they always have those little box seats, like whether it's a hockey game or a basketball game. We were in Orlando once and we went to a magic, went to a magic game because they stunk. They were like $5 tickets. So he's like, hey, look, for five bucks, I'll go watch some basketball. So we went, to, we went there. Uh, but my dad is not one just to kind of sit, you know, nosebleed is not okay. So we just kind of looked around and he found a box seat available. So what did he do? Surely it means me. And he just boldly walks on in there. He was in there for probably 20 seconds. (laughs) The permanent access was not granted. And he was denied access. And so, sir, you have to go back to, oh, sir, you are, yeah, get up there for your $5 ticket. Get way back up there. But the good news is, is that in heaven with the angels, you're not going to get bounced out there. going to go, uh, can I see? Your ticket is you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can confidently, boldly stand in this place, in this box office and go, all the blessings belong to me because of my faith has put me in Christ Jesus. Everything that Jesus has bought and paid for, I receive because of what he's done for me. So this word is permanent access. Oh man, I'm so thankful. I'm also thankful for a natural dad who tries to get into those types of places. So why didn't you just pay two grand to watch it? Not two grand to watch a basketball game. All right, that's fine. Fair enough. (laughs) But I got uh, permanent access into this marvelous grace that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on. Come on, say with me. Keep on. This is how you can just enjoy some of this permanent access. Keep on keeping on. Keep on what? Keep on celebrating our hope of expecting God's glory. You're going to heaven one day. Jesus is coming back for you. Ooh. So again, as we said, we must take, take charge of our belief system and start operating in the same covenant that Jesus came and established through the sacrifice so that we can partake in this better covenant. 
and refuse to go back to the old covenant by operating by the old covenant if you system. Meaning, my behavior determines if God moves on my behalf. Jesus paid too high of a price for you to be stuck in an if you system. If you do, then I will. Man, Jesus paid a tremendous price. And now the shift is, I've already done it. So now, how do I connect? This is something that's just been stirring in me. And last week, Sunday evening, we had a, a healing service specifically with uh, Anne Durant. And it was, a, it was great. But there was a comment that she made that kind of just stirred in me. And it kind of stuck with me for a little while. And I want to just take some time on this. But she said, talking about, we need to be better spirits. And I went, huh, that just kind of stirred up in me a little bit. So I want to take some time to remind you and I who you is. All right. Thank you for the three uh uh-huhs. Now let's turn to John's gospel here for a moment in chapter three. And I want you and I to remember today, I want to give you a lot of scripture. We're going to lay a lot of foundation down for what I believe where we're going to be going to going into the summer. And, you know, in order to be scriptural, you need scriptures. Okay. So that's what I'm going to just take some time so that we can say, that's not scriptural. It's, it's Bible. We're going to just take some time to read the Bible to remind you and I that you is a spirit. That's who you are. Now, Jesus, again, as we're talking about paying a tremendous price, Jesus paid a tremendous price for you and I. And what did he come to do? He came to take care of the root issue that all mankind had, which was a spiritual issue. Correct? Okay, so in John's gospel, you're going to see real clearly here, really a big driving force or the motive behind Jesus is coming. And in verse one, it says, now there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus, who was part of the sect called Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. And one night he discreetly came to Jesus and said, master, We know that you are a teacher from God, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. So what is he noticing? What is Nicodemus seeing? He's seeing power. He's seeing things happen going, how how did you do this? We know you must come from God because there's no way you can cast out devils unless God is with him and God has sent him. But notice how Jesus now changed the focus and he says this, Uh, Verse 3, Jesus answered, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. So what is this eternal truth? Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must, say with me, they must. Come on, say it like you mean it. They must. This is an eternal truth, so you can't break away from this. They must what? Experience first a rebirth. Come on, say with me, rebirth. And I know you probably say, oh, I've heard that many times. Good, you got to hear it again and again and again. Faith comes by hearing. You and I, we, had to, we needed a rebirth that needed to take place. So again, naturally thinking, Nicodemus answered, rebirth, verse 4. How can a gray-headed man be reborn? Think about it. How can a 20-year-old man be reborn? How can a 25-year-old lady be reborn? Naturally speaking, that's, that's where the focus is at. It is impossible for a man to go back into the womb a second time to try to get reborn. Can you see the confusion that Nicodemus is operating in? So verse 5, Jesus said, I have another eternal truth for you. Unless you are born of water, natural birth, and the spirit wind, you will never enter God's kingdom realm. Verse 6, and Jesus goes on and clarifies it a bit more. He says, for the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural. That's why the world has problems like it does today. We're trying to solve spiritual issues with natural things. It doesn't work. Even for your and my own life, we're trying to solve spiritual problems with natural means. What came first, the natural or the spiritual? The spiritual. So is the unseen or the seen more real? The unseen. So Jesus is trying to wake up. This is what he came to provide for you and I, is a rebirth so you can see what's actually real. 
So he says, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. Come on, say with me, supernatural life. This is what you and I are to be a part of, is the supernatural life. How am I going to get it? Well, something natural, if, I'm gonna, if I just act a certain way, if I do certain things, well, it'll just come. No! You needed to get reborn, and now that you got reborn by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have to start understanding how this rebirth operates, how I start living in this reborn state. And that's understanding I am a spirit. That's who I am. Okay. Now, Jesus made a way for the spiritual birth to take place. I don't, I've just, uh, for me, I, all the, as I was meditating on it this week, like, God, thank you. Man, what a price you paid so that I could get reborn. I have, don't ever want to forget the sacrifice, not just celebrating on Easter once a year. Are you kidding me? This is what Romans 5 is all talking about. That Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Permanent access, all because of what you've done on my behalf. Thank you that I got reborn. Anybody else thankful that they're reborn? Oh, man. I didn't eat the red pill. Thank God he gave me a Jesus pill and it's the best decision of my life. You can see now for what is reality. So look what he did now in John chapter one, verse 12 and 13. It says to all who believed him. Now that word believe doesn't just mental assent. It actually means to embrace, to cling on to him and to accept him. Notice what he did the moment you clinged on him. He gave you the right. I got some rights because of my beliefs. What do I believe? I believe Jesus is the Christ. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he is Lord. That confession right there, he now gives me the right to become a child of God. Woo! Verse 13. He says, they are what? Oh, come on. They are reborn. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. Not with a physical birth resulting from a couple getting real intimate with each other. You're in the plan of your mom and dad. Aren't you thankful for that? Anybody ever heard that you weren't planned? <laughs> we got a Don, Don. There's a little issue here, Donovan. We're going to have to. <laughs> Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. Planned. So the cross now... It's not just, I mean, thank God we see what it was, but the, co- the cross is actually a womb for all mankind to go to and experience this rebirth. That's why you can't get into the kingdom of first going to the narrow way. What is the narrow way? It's through the womb. What's the womb? It's the cross. That's why everyone we lead that doesn't know Jesus Christ yet, we have to show them the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of our great God and that Jesus for so loved the world that he sent his only son. That when you see him and believe in what he did, that he hung on that cross, took the beating, took the shame, went to hell, rose from the dead and said, I got the keys of hell and death. I got him. I got him. Satan is defeated. I believe on that. Not only is victory imparted to me, I now become a child of the most high God. That's who you and I are by embracing this. And now he gave you the right to be called children of God. So don't ever lose sight of this. This is who you are. You are children of God. But now again, what does this have to do with learning how to connect with God in the new Testament? Everything, because you aren't just now a soul and a body. Your spirit became alive. You are now a spirit being. Say it, I am spirit. That's who you are. And to think that I'm just a soul made up of mind, will, emotions, or thoughts. If you think your thoughts are you, you are in for a very depressing life. Anybody have crappy thoughts before? Anybody have one this morning? Okay. That's not you. So what I want to do is I want to just take you through a bunch of scriptures to show you the contrast between outer man, the inner man, to show you that you are a spirit and that when the Bible is talking to you and I, it's not just talking to your flesh. It'll impact your flesh, but it is a spiritual book. 
Jesus said, the words that I'm speaking to you, they are what? They are spirit, John 6, 63. They are spirit and they are life. Everything God does is from the inside, which is your spirit, out. Not through the flesh mind to your spirit. Your spirit, we're going to find this right here. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. And if you want to follow along in your Bibles, I encourage you to do so. Because there's nothing like seeing it on your Bible and going, I got it. I see it. I see it. Proverbs 20, 27. We're all doing good this morning? Happy Father's Day. (laughs) All right. It says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The lamp. What does that mean? It's the light. It's where God is going to enlighten. It's where God is going to speak. It is where God is going to reveal. Is where? The spirit of man. And now notice it says searching all the inner depths of his heart. So God is going to relate to you and I. God is going to speak to you and I. Through our spirits. If I'm looking for connection with God through my soul, if I'm looking for connection with God through my flesh, I'm going to be missing it every single time. Not 99%, 100% of the time. Now, I remember hearing this example, and this was just a great example that helped me in my teenage years, but uh, anybody remember landlines? <laughs> this is where I first heard this. I was at a car, I was a youth car, and I remember going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to just use this analogy. So a part of me, if you don't remember what a landline is, do you remember we used to be stuck to a wall talking to people? I don't remember those days because I'm, I'm too young to understand that. But I do recall the elders having... that have gone before us have paved such a way but there was a telephone attached to a wall and in order you hear it ring you had to walk over to that wall pick up the phone and you'd have to stand there and now I remember I had grandparents that had a very long phone line that could curl around a few things right you could walk around the island a couple of times and oh hi how are you I'm doing so good so good and then all of a sudden they find out oh I got caught so they got to circle back around a few times we had a landlord like that But if I were going to call you in 1980, where would you go? (laughs) Would you go and hug the refrigerator? Would you go and hang out in the garage? No, I said, I'm going to call you at 6 o'clock. So at 6 o'clock, where are you going to be? I'm going to be right by that phone. That's just not here. Wait for that 6 o'clock. Come on, did I make the team? Did I make the team? Come on, I got to hear the phone ring. But the same way in the spirit, if God is going to contact you, he's not going to do it through your soul. He's not going to do it to your flesh. And so much of the time we are looking for goosebumps. We're looking for the feeling. We're looking for something in our soul to go, oh, I'm just looking. God, I'm trying to feel something out here. Stop it. He's not in the feelings. If it does happen that way, wonderful. But don't go looking for it because guess who's out here? Spiritually speaking, you got a devil, the enemy of your soul that is out here as well. So just because you felt something may not automatically be that it was God. So that's why we can't just depend on, I felt God in the service today. Worship was wonderful. First of all, you don't get to determine if worship, our music was good or not because it doesn't go to you. It goes to him. Right? Secondly... If I felt anything or not, I'm supposed to give glory to him because the Bible tells me to do so, not because I really feel like it. I didn't really get the breakfast in bed that my wife promised me this morning. It was Father's Day and I I worked so hard and I do all these things and I didn't get nothing. So churches, I'm going to be grumpy at church and hmm, I'm not raising my hands, but happy Father's Day to you and just be a grump. It's not based on you. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has nothing to do if you got raisin toast or not in bed. It means nothing. What it requires, why do I give my praise to God? Because the music was extra special? No, because the Bible says it. Period. I am a spirit. I'm not my emotions. So if you're a little bit grumpy right now, just go, that's not you. That's not you. Hold on, I heard that's not you, but that was definitely not talking to yourself. That was talking to somebody else. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not you. Get that grump out of here. Stop being so grumpy. Stop fleshing out. 
That's something that was a phrase that we took in our house. Man, you are fleshing out right now. Anyways, next verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Moving right along. <clears throat> it says, now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, and may your entire being. Now he's talking about your entire being. What is that? Kidneys, lungs. It's talking about you. Your entire being. What is your entire being? Spirit. Soul. Body. And what is the Lord going to do? He's going to be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Now, just because I say that you are a spirit doesn't mean that your soul and your flesh don't matter. Listen, God purchased all of you. He purchased your body because where do I actually honor God? In my body. That's where I honor him. But right now, I'm not going to get into all that. I want to take some time to talk about this spiritual side. And what you can see here is Paul was very spirit conscious. So for you and I to live and have this connection with God, it is crucial that we become spirit conscious. When you talk about, oh yeah, what, what, what are you? Well, I, I'm a body, I have a soul, and I'm, I'm spirit. What order do you even place those things in? Why? Because it just really relates. I mean, this is, I know this is a little nitpicky, but for myself, I've really trained myself. What are you? I'm a spirit. I have a soul and I live in this physical body. I'm not a body. I'm not a soul. I'm just a spirit. No, I am a spirit. So my three-part being is first, I'm a spirit. That's what I am first. I'm a spirit that's temporarily sent here for a human existence. I'm not a physical being looking or trying to feel a supernatural existence. I am a spirit being made in the image and likeness of God. Just even being more spiritually conscious makes you more aware of him. Because where your mind is, so will your thoughts flow. Now, so Paul really laying out here, I am a spirit. And as I'm aware to spiritual realities, more than the natural more than the car or the, the, the mental realm. And sadly, it just seems like where we are in the world together is we are so conscious of the physical. You are more than your sex. You're more than that. Well, I'm just a gent. No, no, no. You are a spirit and God made you a man. He made you a woman. That's what he made you to be. Thank God for it. But I am a spirit being. And the devil likes just to bring that down to, well, you're just a physical being. And these are the thoughts and the, the, the feelings you have. These are the hormonal rages you got. No, you are so much more than those things. Now, it's not my message, but we'll get into other things. Now we're going to see here that the Bible has a lot to say about the inner man and the outer man. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where are you doing okay here? I'm just, I'm just giving you Bible. So you can say, I went to church and we read our Bibles. It's like, go, I went to Tim Hortons and I got a double-double and a Boston cream. It's, you have to say that to make it sound like I went to Tim Hortons. So he says in verse 16, Therefore we do not become discouraged, spiritless, disappointed, or afraid. Now we'll get to that at some point, but those are qualities of a weak spirit. Disappointed, afraid. Now he goes on to say, our outer self... So what's our outer self? These bodies is progressively wasting away. Anybody notice that? <laughs> Anybody still think they're 18? Like how on earth? I used to bench press 400 pounds and now what, what just happened? Well, the Bible just tells you is that your outer self, your old outer self is progressively wasting away. Aren't you glad that you came to church this morning? What did you learn? <laughs> My body is wasting away. <laughs> then he goes on to say, yet. Now I want you to see the contrary, how the apostle Paul uses these inner self and outer self. Yet our inner self, what's the inner self? It's your spirit, the you, the real you. Your inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. Come on, by day. By day, there is no aging in heaven. In a million years from now, you're going to be looking, man, you still look so young. There's no aging process in heaven. All of a sudden, you go by and three weeks later and go, How did, where did that wrinkle come from? 
How did that gray get, what on earth did that get in here? And so we spend billions of dollars for just for men to tuck this, to snip that, to hide this, to cover that. We do spend so much time to slow down. I actually saw like even this cream, an anti-aging cream. Anybody ever use that? <laughs> I'm not putting it on my hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at <laughs> You look great. <laughs> Can I just add this? But the aging process is here and you cannot slow that down. Death is coming, whether Jesus tarries is coming or not, it all comes. But the inner man never gets old. I've read stories, I've read books just talking about heaven, and people that have gone there, they said, We saw family members. And man, my dad looked like he was 28, 29 years old. Just strong, ripped, athletic. Go, what, what did all that look like? The spirit man never ages. So sometimes people think God is just some old being up there. I think God is extremely young. He's not this old guy. He's got the wisdom of, of experience and what we would call elder but man, just because we're stuck in this thing called time, we just go, man, things are old. If you're old, it's just getting badder and badder. No, I'm thankful you get older. There's wisdom that comes. There's experience. There's life experiences that you've had. And also you get to encounter Jesus and go further in your understanding with God that you can reach other generations with. It's beautiful. So don't just go, oh, I'm old. I'm not doing it. There's no use to me. No, you are valuable. You, need, you are needed because the spirit man that you really you is still renewed day by day. So don't just think, well, because my outer man's decaying, I'm of no use. False. We need you. Continuing on, go to the next chapter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, look at this. He says, we know. No, that's not it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, 8 in the New Living Bible, or sorry, New Living Translation. It says, we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Y'all downstairs, I'm in 2 Corinthians 5, chapter 3 in the New Living Translation. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies or we won't be spirits that are naked. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. So what's going to happen to these mortal bodies that we have on right now? They're going to get swallowed up by life. Grays are gone. Aging fat is gone. Here we going, woo, honey, look at me. Like, man, you look good. No, you look good. No, you look good. And what is it? It's a new body that we're going to get because this body is so limited. If this body was a car, you'd never buy it. Why? You got to wash it. It stinks within 30 minutes after a shower. You have to bathe it. You got to trim it. You got to cut it. You got to tuck it. You got to do things constantly to this body. You have to run to keep in shape. You got to do all these things. You sit down for too long. You get up and go, oh man, there's so many things going on with this body because it's aging. And so Paul is saying we are groaning and we're sighing in these bodies. Not that we just want to die, but because these new, we're going to get glorified, exciting, New bodies that are going to be just like the Lord's. He doesn't have to sit in an airplane at an airport to get somewhere. He thinks and he's there. Imagine traveling like that. We think, oh, I got this sweet new car. Man, it's got 400 horsepower. Wow. Heaven goes. Ooh. Heaven operates at 186,000 miles a second. They're faster than the speed of light for an angel. If you've ever seen an angel, it's because they slowed down to now function and operate in our time zone that we're in. Heaven is so fast. And we think, oh, I got these smartphones. Smart, give me a break. We're stupid compared to what heaven is already operating by. 
Anyway, continue reading, Joel. Verse 5. It says, God himself has prepared this for us. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit like an engagement ring. Verse 6. So we are always confident. Always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, where are we? We're not with the Lord. So if you are in this body, you are not present with the Lord. But the moment you slip out, guess where you are? That's what Paul says in Philippians. He's going, I'm in a kind of in a tug of war here. Like for me to stay, it's going to be helpful for to you. But if I go and depart from this, if I leave this body, it's going to be far better for me to go. Listen, you know, one of the things that's attractive to the kingdom of God that will make Jesus attractive is talking about some of these realities. What you're seeing and what you're living in right now is not reality. It's not what's, how you're going to be living the rest of your life. Paul said, when I die and get out of here, he didn't just say, it'll be a little better than this prison I'm in. He said, it is beyond. It is so far surpassing what my mind can even comprehend. Heaven is so beautiful and rich in color. You can actually smell the color purple and go, that's purple. What does purple smell like? I, I, we, we limited grapes I don't know but there's actually a smell to all these things and we have to start talking about even to the world and to remind the church we're not just stuck down here for forever we have a kingdom that we are a part of that we don't just experience there we can experience it now but where you're going Paul is reminding the Corinthian church, hey, don't just get settled and stuck here. Go for more. There is so much more glory. There is so much more available to you. Don't just let the natural things dictate how you're going to be feeling. Man, your spirit is alive unto God. And it's crying out deep, cries out unto deep. He's saying, remind yourself, stir yourself up in some of these realities again. You are a spirit. You're not stuck with that ankle. You're not stuck with that hip. You're not stuck with how this aging process looks. There's so much more. So we have to get our mind set on higher things as well. So verse 7 here. He goes, for we live by believing, and I'm not going to live by what I see. Verse 8, yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. Why? For then we will be with the Lord. If you have a loved one that has gone home to be with the Lord, they're not in that body anymore. They left. Well, what is it? The body just goes back to the dirt. That's where it came from. That's where it goes back to. But that's not them. If they accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, you didn't lose anybody. Sometimes, honestly, I think funerals, we have way too much respect for death. Everybody comes in real solemn. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry about your loss. I didn't lose anybody. I had, I, had a, I had a grandfather that passed away this past January. And over and over, I'm so sorry for your loss. Do you know how many times I said, I didn't lose him. Yes, I miss him. Yes, I would I'd love to see him. But I didn't lose him. I know exactly where he is. Well, yeah, he's just, he's right there. No, he's not. That may be the body that helped me do some craft work when I was in grade three and four. But that's not him. That's the shell that he lived in. He is in heaven before the Lord. And one day, I'm going to see him face to face again. So what happens rather than being so solemn, oh, we just respect death. No, death is an enemy. And Jesus said, it's the last one to be put under our feet. So no, I don't go, oh, this must be so different. No, it's a celebration of his life. Yes, I miss. Yes, there is this, oh, I miss, I miss. Yes, there's this natural grief that you walk through. Don't get me wrong. All of that is part of it. But I will not show respect to what the enemy holds over us, ever. Absolutely not. So if you have a family member that has got promoted to be with the Lord, are you kidding me? I've heard testimonies even of people have come back and they got called back to the earth and then they're miserable because you called them back. Why did you pray me back onto this planet? I needed you. Yeah, but I was running. I was going towards the kingdom. I saw heaven and you called me back. Why? So even though they love you dearly, they would never, ever, if they had a decision to go, "Mm, I'm going to go back to that body. I'm going to go back to this earth. No, they would stay there. It's okay. They're in your future now. Continuing on. That was side note. So what is the inner man? The inner man 
has the ability. Now listen, this is who you are. You have the ability to see the unseen. Why? You're a spirit. I just can't figure out what God's doing. First of all, this book will help you tremendously to see what the unseen looks like. This Bible is filled with in him scriptures. It's filled with who you are in Christ Jesus. And you start opening up. That's what seeing the unseen is. Be seeing yourself flawless. Well, if you look in the natural, you go, I got flaws physically. I got flaws, you know, in my soul, in my thinking. There's flaws all over. But he's not talking to you about that way. He wants you to work out from the spirit that's supposed to impact your brain, your thinking, your mind, your emotions. And it's going to impact your physical body. We got the wrong order. We're going, well, I got flaws here. I think this. No, no, he's talking spirit speaking. You are flawless in my eyes. See that. And that reality will start Boom, like bombs going off in your brain going oh man oh man and all of a sudden you see you for who you are and your behavior follows okay what else about the inner man that we just read <clears throat> the inner man has access to heaven and the eternal life that's found in Jesus now don't just think that's for the far off future that's for the here and now you're a spirit and a live spirit unto God now what about the outer man? What does he talk about the outer man in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? That they are tents made from this world. He calls it a tent. It's a house for our spirit. You know, in the book of Daniel, I can't remember the address, but it talks about our bodies being a sheath. Now, if you have a list, that's going to be really hard to say. A sheath. There's a sheath. Anybody know what a sheath is? A sheath? Everybody with a list, you're trying to say it with a list now, aren't you? Yeah, okay. A sheath is something for your sword, and a sheath is made for the sword. Well, let's talk about like your body is like this sheath. Your spirit, your body, sorry, was made for your spirit to house in. Another way you can say it is kind of like a glove, right? If I put on a glove, the glove begins to move. And it has life. It can point. It can high five. It can shake hands. It can do all of these things. But the moment I take my hand out of the glove and I put it down on the table, it's not pointing. It's not high fiving. It can't shake anybody's hand. Why? Because it's dormant without the life inside of it. Well, it's the same way with your body. Your body is able to do all these things like this now because you are in it. But the moment you leave your body, it's done. It's dead. It just lays there. It can't do nothing. Can we see that? So who am I? I'm a spirit. Look at this. Second, um, where are we at now? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Now the reason why this is so important again, we have to become better spirits was just that phrase she used. And it just stirred me up to see this. Now no, I want you to see this is how you got into the kingdom of God. He said, if you confess... With your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe where? In your heart. Heart and spirit are interchangeably that you see in, this, in the New Testament. Numa. That God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart, say with me, with the heart. What heart is he talking about? The physical blood pump? No, you can't believe God with your physical heart just like you can't believe God with your physical kidney. It doesn't work that way. I believe God with my heart. My heart. What is my heart? It's my spirit. I believe God on the inside, the core of my being. He says with the core of your being, your heart, you believe unto righteousness. And then with the mouth, you confess Jesus is Lord and you received your salvation. But it began where? For with the heart, one believes. Say, it, I'm a spirit. What we call belief, we people, are just mental assent. Oh, I believe that. Really? Because if you did, it would change the way you acted. It would change everything about you. Belifin actually is a, a I forgot that group, what they're, where they're from. Somewhere in England, I think. But Anglo-Saxon? Anglo-Saxon, yeah, that's the guys. They actually talked, they really, they, they did a whole study on this word belief that I just found some, came across and studying this word, just belief, their belief caused them to act and do certain things rather than we just say, oh, I believe that it would cause you to move. It would cause you to live and think a whole lot differently. So this is what he's saying with the heart. I believe next, I want you to see in first Corinthians chapter nine, 
verse 24 through 27. Verse 24, it says, Isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win? But only one receives the victor's prize, yet each of you must run the race to be victorious. Now that's a whole other message in itself, but a true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that will quickly wither. But we, say we, or I, I run my race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. Verse 26. Now Paul talks about the Christian life, same to one who is intense in their athletics. One who is serious about winning a medal. And this he's talking about the Roman games. The Olympics we could say today. When you see an Olympian, they're not training for third place. I'm just hoping to get, you know, bronze. What? Even when we got onto a soccer field, I, that's why it's so frustrating. We're just playing to have fun. Yes, to have fun. We're just, we're not counting score. Are you kidding me? That takes away all drive, motivation from anything. Aren't you glad God's going, well, whatever you want to do doesn't really matter because when you get there, everybody's going to get the same prize anyway. If that was the case, I would just sit down with whatever, I'm done. But what's the motivation? The motivation is there is a prize waiting for me. I'm not in competition with anybody in the body of Christ. I'm in competition with myself going, Lord, you called me to a destiny. I'm going to fulfill it to the best of my ability. Why? Because there's a victor's crown for me at the end of it. Bring it on. So he says, I need to train. Like you see these athletes training. So now he says, for that reason, I don't just run for exercise. Oh, thank God I don't have to run for exercise. Or I don't box like one throwing aimless punches. But he says, but I train like a champion athlete. He says, I, say with me, I, I I subdue my body. What? I subdue my body? Who's the I? Your spirit man. Come on, y'all. Who's the I? The spirit man, I, my spirit, subdues my body and I get it, my body, under control. So that after preaching the good news to others, I myself won't be disqualified. What's he saying? He's saying, I need to be in charge of my body. I need to be in charge of my soul. I'm training like an athlete. It's not just physical. A lot of sports is also your natural, the, the, the mental side of it as well. Sports is huge in that way. That's why I think the the Apostle Paul used that as an example. So he's saying, I need to control my thinking. I need to control my body. So it's showing here, what is the body supposed to be? The follower of the spirit. My spirit is supposed to dictate how my body is going to function. It's going to dictate what my body does and does not do. Oh, I'm just a sugar addict. I can tell my body, stop. See, a lot of times we just play victim to our natural surroundings going, well, I I can't help it. I'm just a victim to all this. No, you're not. I'm here to tell you, no, you're not. The good news is, is you're not just a physical body. You're not just your emotions and what your mind. You are a spirit being made in the image of God. And you have control of this body. And you say, body, that's enough. Oh, okay. I've just not been sleeping. Body, rest. You will go to sleep. You can take control of that. And we're going to get into that next week. But the question I wanted to ask, this is for in your brain for in two weeks from now. My wonderful wife is preaching next week. Dun, dun, dun. I know. The question is, is why is that my outer man, my flesh seems to be in control? And I'll just give you the answers. We'll talk about that next time. But it says, because first of all, I may not be aware that I'm a spirit. Like an example, if you don't know, have a, you, don't know you had a dog, would you feed your dog? I have a dog? Yeah. It's in the backyard, probably starving. Oh, oh, hey, you got to throw it some food. Well, so much of our time in our Christian life, we, we may, we may not even realize that I am a spirit being. And if you do know you're a spirit being, why do I seem to get my butt kicked in so many things? You may not be feeding it just as much 
as your physical body needs food, water, it needs nourishment to do physical things, your spirit being needs nourishment. And if I'm not feeding my spirit, <laughs> no wonder there's things that is kicking my butt. And we kind of go, oh man, the devil's just after me. Listen, if you understood who you are in Christ Jesus, if you start feeding your spirit, that devil will wake up and rather than seeing some scrawny guy at a gym who can't do anything, to all of a sudden some massive guy at the gym who's got every plate on there starts pumping it, you go, who are you going to mess with? A guy who skips legs day, his legs look like chickens, walking around and he's just real frail and he's kind of walking like this. Or you see some other guy who's now throwing every plate that you could buy. He is, you know, right here, Gabby, just throwing off all these extra weight and just ready, you know, spitting on the mirror and doing all this. Who are you going to fight if you had to choose? Beast? Chicken leg. Yeah, come on, answer me. We're not talking about anybody in this room. Who are you fighting? I'm going after chicken leg. Why? He's not feeding himself. There's no nourishment. He's not exercising in any kind of way. His spirit, I'm going to go after him. Well, the enemy of your soul doesn't go after the ripped ones all the time. He may try, but it doesn't work all the time. Why? Because they're too ripped. Doesn't mean that the attacks just stop coming. No, the attacks come to everybody. But what I'm saying is you become easier prey for the roaring lion who thinks he can devour. Why? Because, hey, this guy's weak. I'm going to pick on him all day long. So for you and I, what I sense is we're taking some time going into the summer. We need to boost our spirit. Get some spiritual steroids going on, which is the word of God. And start getting jacked in our spirits so that no matter what comes our way, no matter what even physical problem that come my way, a strong spirit, Proverbs tells us, will sustain you. A strong spirit. Rather than just, oh, God, I hope this doesn't happen. And Lord, can you just take this problem away? What I found even in my own little experiences over these last few years, that in Psalm chapter 4, verse 1, that when problems came my way, God, you enlarged me on the inside. What we're looking for is we're not trying to run away from problems that may come our way. We're looking to having done all to stand, stand therefore. How do I keep strong when things come, problems come my way? A strong spirit will sustain you in rough times. A strong spirit, not a strong mind. I mean, it's good to have willpower, but a strong spirit. So we're going to feed this thing real good. That's who you are. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your love.